Balancing Point, Episode 32. Welcome to the Balancing Point Podcast, where we invite you to join us on a journey into the amazing world of professional ballet. Our guests will provide you with an inside peek into this exclusive world while offering motivation and inspiration on how to not only succeed in dance, but also in life. And now, your host, Kimberly Falker. Hello and welcome to Balancing Point Podcast, where I interview those that are living their dreams in the world of professional ballet. Today's interview continues with my audition series, where my guests share tips and advice on how to do well in auditions. And I had such a wonderful time with today's guest, Brooke Lockett, who is with the Australian Ballet. If you've been listening to my podcast over time, you may remember that one of my earlier guests, Ben Davis had a friend photograph him in his I've made it moment on the steps of the Sydney Opera House. Well, Brooke, today's guest, was the one that took that photo. So if you haven't listened to that episode, be sure to take the time to do so. It's quite a fun part of the interview, and Ben took a photo, and that's also on my show notes page. In today's interview, you'll hear that Brooke began dancing at the age of three in her hometown of Ballarat, Australia, studying classical ballet with Trudy and Lisa Harris. Then, at the age of 13, she was accepted into the Australia Ballet School Junior Program, and then in 2006, she joined the Australian Ballet's company. And since that time, she has experienced the world of ballet on an international scale and enjoying every moment of her journey. So let's get started with Brooke. All right, well, Brooke, I've read in your bio that you began dancing as many young dancers do at age three, and then you wound up at 13 being accepted into the Australian ballet school junior program now did you have to audition for this program yes you uh they back then they had like a it was like an associate sort of country I'm from country Victoria so an hour and a half out of Melbourne the city of Melbourne in Australia and yeah it was I auditioned and got was accepted fortunately and so I would travel down like two nights a week just to take classes there and then when I turned 15, I was accepted into a full-time program. So then with my, along with my family, made the decision, obviously, to move down to Melbourne and um, train full-time. So the whole family moved? No, just myself. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, wow. There was a few tears from mum and dad when oh, they I dropped bet. me off. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were down there, where did you live? I lived, fortunately, we had a, a friend of the family's, sort of through a friend of a friend, that uh, she was... Um, living on her own and was happy to take in me as a it's like a homestay type situation so I got to live with someone I think at 15 you know it's it's nice to have someone still cooking your dinner and you know looking after you a little bit when you're training that hard and you know I was still a young girl so it was a nice situation. So when you did your audition did somebody suggest you do it or was it kind of your own incentive or how did that come to be? Yeah, I think I I guess I was probably I mean obviously I absolutely loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember I think auditioning, you know, my parents were sort of like, you know, it's a great experience, but you know, you might not get in, so, you know, just it was almost a shock I think when I I got in. And I guess at that point you um, you know, 13 to 15, you know, there are so many people that you you might really want to do it, but you're never really sure if you're, you know, right. in a country town in a ballet school, you never really know if you are good enough to go right. on. And that's that's sort of that time where if you are good enough, that's you need that next level of training. And that's true. You know, yeah. So I guess 
it was a surprise and, and, you know, a very exciting surprise. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, a similar situation happened with um, my daughter last summer auditioned. We went to Chicago to audition and it was more exactly that just for the experience. She was 13 and, you know, yeah. I had done the statistical research and said the chances of you getting into this program are like 11%. So don't count on it. And so then when she did, it's like, oh, now, now what do we do? <laughs> you know? Well, you know, that's exactly, I remember my mom's, I remember it very clearly. We were, uh, we have, we live on like acreage. So we were driving down the driveway and you would get out and get the mail. And we were driving and there was a letter in there. And I remember my mom being like, oh my gosh, you've been accepted. <laughs> like, it was like, what do we do now? Like, now we have to actually think about what think we do. Think about, now. right, right. Because, you know, I was, I said, your home studio is just fine. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> after I had done the research and it was truly 11%, I thought, well, if you say no, then what? <laughs> so sure enough, she went away to New York for five weeks. Wow. <laughs> It wasn't moving away from home full time. I don't know if I could have done that, but it's you know the things you have to do, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then after that, um, you traveled. No, this company is different than what you're in now, right? That you were a part of the junior program. So the jun- so the Australian Ballet School. It's very similar to the Royal Ballet School and the Royal Ballet Company. You know, as in it, our our school is our um, you know sort of feeds ideally feeds into the company exactly so it's the training ground and it's the same building so you know I've spent many years in that same building but one end is the school and one end is the company so yeah it's a nice environment because as a student you can sort of wander up the end of the corridor and look through the windows and see the company rehearsing and you know which is as a country girl to go to Melbourne at 15 to be able to see you know your idols rehearsing and training is I think that's the best form of inspiration anyone could wish for. So is that your home base versus Sydney or how's that work? Yes Melbourne is our home base and we spend Sydney is our second home theatre so we spend four months of the year at the Sydney Opera House and then we also do short seasons in the other uh, major cities in in Australia. Okay because you know, for most people that aren't familiar with Australia, Melbourne and Sydney are quite far apart, right? Yeah, it's, um, I know, to other people it seems like Australia is so big and vast, but it's an hour and 20 minute flight to Sydney. So to us it seems very close, but to some people it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. And then um, you became a member of the company when you were like only 17 or 18? Yes, yeah. I think I was just turned 18, I think, yeah. Well, that's exciting. It was very exciting, yeah. Now, with Australian Ballet Company, what style of dance do they, do you guys have a style? Uh, as in Australians in general or the company? Your company. The company, I would, I mean, we are, we, we have a lot of, a lot of the company members did go through the Australian Ballet School, so I guess in that respect, there's a similar form of training. We also have dancers from outside, but I think Australians are quite, uh, you know, where I guess we're well known for being movers and um, jumpers, and people sometimes say maybe it's the space where where uh, we grow up in, and you know, but. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I remember when I first went overseas and when I was in Europe and America and seeing other people move and I think that there are positives to every, 
you know, I, I can't quite put my finger on what it is exactly, but I think, yeah, Australians, I guess, are definitely movers and risk takers. But then there's this artistic quality, I think, that maybe is in Europe and America that is something we could draw upon. And, you know, it's, it's always interesting. I don't know that you can say exactly what it is, but... Yeah, I think the the training at the Australian Ballet School is very good and I think known quite well for being, you know, we train with the Vaganova style and have a lot, I had a lot of Russian ballet teachers and, yeah, def- I think the training is really good. It puts you in very good stead for your career in a company. Oh, I bet, yeah. So are there other major companies in Australia or is it really just the one? The Australian Ballet Company is the national company. Okay. And we also have... Uh, Western Australian Ballet in Perth, in WA, and there's also Queensland Ballet okay. in Brisbane, and there's also Sydney Dance Company, which is more of a contemporary-style company, but um, a fantastic little company. And then I guess the closest company uh, after that would be New Zealand, which um, Ethan Stifle directs, yeah. Right. They're actually coming to my city, so I'm excited. Ah, <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, they're doing wonderful things. I think Ethan's been a really great um, force of, you know, to be reckoned in that company. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's interesting because Australia is, you know, nearly as large as America, but you consider the thousands of major companies in America versus Australia. It's a, I know. It's got to be so competitive for you guys. Well, you know, that's the thing. I, you know, you go through the ballet school and, you know, you're, everyone, of course, is hoping, hoping for a spot in the national company. You know, right, and, right. And, you know, if you don't get one of those other couple of options, then of course you have to make the big decision Leap to out of the country, right? Exactly. And you know, it's seventeen, eighteen. It's a massive thing to go and do an audition tour. You know, you've just finished your training, and yeah. Whereas for someone fortunate like myself to get through to the company, you sort of just go to the other end of the corridor. Right. Um, <laughs> but hello. I, I, yeah, exactly. But you know, I had friends that went overseas straight away and they've had incredible careers. So I think, oh, you know, whatever your path is, I think it's, you know, it's what's meant to be, I guess. Right. I But I like statistically speaking, in your class, you know, your kind of graduating class, about how many were able to get into the Australian Ballet Company? So three girls and two boys got a contract out of class, out of, I think there was 20 in our class when we graduated. Oh, gosh. So it is yes. competitive. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it's all like people always say about timing and luck and opportunity because it depends how many contracts are available that year, you know, if people have left or if people are, you know, so it's... And sometimes it's like, or at least what I've heard is sometimes it, they need a certain look for that year or they need a certain height or a certain, you know, sometimes it's out of your control. Absolutely. I think the the year just gone that just graduated, there was, uh, you know, if you're exactly right, if we need tall boys for a certain ballet or, you know, this year we're doing a lot of big classical rep like Balanchine's Ballet Imperial and Sweet en Blanc and you're exactly right. If it's repertoire dependent or a height thing or it's things like if you've got lots of tall boys, you need tall girls to partner or so absolutely that all comes into it. Wow. So what do you think you would have done if you had not gotten into Australian ballet? Yeah, I think I I was very fortunate with my family that we sat down and spoke about. I'm a little bit of a planner, so I like to have my (laughs) you know, with all the plans. So am I. That's why I'm doing this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I never never had... I knew it was never a guarantee to get that job and I was never one to, you know, I was definitely at the top of my class but 
again, it's it's personal opinion and, you know, you never know what the director might be going for and you might not be, you know, what one person likes, another person might not. So you can never sit and think, you know, you're safe, I think. Uh, so we spoke a lot about, um, you know, obviously the auditioning for other companies in Australia and uh, auditioning overseas and, and then we also spoke about, um, you know, another path like that, things like you know maybe doing a Pilates course or going into something different and you know I, I think I was really lucky to have parents that were open to sitting down and talking about that and you know I, it's it's a really tough industry and you train so hard and you obviously you know love it so much but I think it, it yeah it was it was good to talk about you know different options but obviously I was lucky enough to get the the best outcome for, for me at that time. And it's true. Sometimes if you think through the other options and you kind of accept all the different paths in your head, then you're less, less, uh, putting all your eggs in one basket emotionally. And I think it makes you a more confident person and maybe you're more marketable then. Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a lot of pressure, I think, uh, as an individual at that young age, you know, you want to, your family have just done so much to put you through that training and, you know, this pressure of, I didn't want to let them down. And it's not that it's not that they ever put that upon me. It was, you know, you just exactly you you want to make them proud, and you want to also coming from a country town. You know, there's a lot of they're like, oh, she's gone off to Melbourne to <laughs> the big city. <laughs> What's everyone going to think if I come back and I haven't sort of done anything? You yeah, know, yeah, you're not famous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so there's all these little things that kind of play in your head, but no, it, it's. But if you I, let it get into your head so much, then it does affect how you perform or how you are day to day, and then that can affect exactly. the outcome. So I do think sometimes it's good to see the other side and, and play it out like what if, what if, what if, and then at the other side, you're like, all right, I'm okay now. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Absolutely. That's so true. Yeah. So in your company, do company members typically stay once they're in? Because I know in a lot of American companies, there's a lot of, you know, you typically see or oftentimes see dancers that are in two to three companies in their career. Exactly. I think, and I think this has a lot to do with Australia being so far away. And this is something that I sort of, you know, plays on my mind a lot is that thing of, um, yeah, we don't have the option to go to other companies as big as ours within our country, which is one which is one thing. The other thing is we are so lucky in the Australian company of how we are looked after and, you know, whether that's medically or financially or just the way we're looked after, it it becomes a real safe family environment. And I think when you've been there for quite a while, it is a big leap of faith and a scary thing to do to to leave that and to start again and make that big move. But of course, it's something that people, you know, do. And for me personally, you know, I love, I'm a big lover of New York and I have some lots of friends there and I love getting there as much as I can just to also be inspired by that, by the dancers there. And, you know, when you're in Europe or America, you get to see other dancers and be inspired by other forms of art all the time. You know, there's always something on. It's not that we don't have that here. We just don't have it on the scale or the level. Right, because you know, like somebody in, in Boston to switch to New York, that's, you know, just a few hours away, you know, and both of those cities are magnificently huge in the ballet world. Absolutely. Or, you know, if you're dancing uh, with American Ballet Theatre, you can one weekend see New York City Ballet or you yeah. might 
go and see San Francisco performing or you might have also too, there's amazing companies coming into that city to perform, uh, which is, um, you know, as an artist, you constantly want to be fed, fed with that sort of material. So, you know, that's the... Yeah, that's or even the, just taking open classes and, you know, being there and you could take open oh, classes throughout the city and have a complete different repertoire, you know. I mean, you know, my favorite thing in New York City is taking classes steps, you know. I mean, you're standing in a bar and you can have, you know, I mean... Alexandra people. <laughs> exactly, Alexandra Ferry standing next to you, uh, you know, or... Any, I mean, anyone, and then you can have someone that just wants to take a class. Right. <laughs> it's such an extreme, and I just think that's amazing. You know, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, that is neat. Yeah. Yeah, because as I mentioned, my daughter was there last summer, but, you know, she's only 13 and she still was navigating the system, but she is going back, and so now she's super excited to, like, take advantage of things like that. And so it's it's exciting to see that progression too, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, oh, I think to myself, as a child, like at her yeah. age, and I shouldn't say child because, you know, dancers. They don't think they are, but yeah. <laughs> they're mature at that age though. But, <laughs> but they are that, children, yeah. <laughs> to see that at that age I think is just sensational. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't get to see that. And even when I was that age, YouTube wasn't as big either. I mean, now, point. you know, kids in the ballet school, they can look up anything and it's it's amazing. Right. That's true. And, and Or even just different styles of stretching that works for their body when somebody you know it's just really fascinating to see so you've mentioned that your family has participated in your success um do you have siblings or kind of besides letting you fly at a young age how else have they kind of participated along your journey yes I have I have two brothers so I'm the only girl in the family and I have I'm the middle child I have an older and a younger brother me too really there you go (laughs) yeah two brothers on either side it's a really nice little isn't it makeup isn't it yeah it's really lovely and you know I mean I'm not going to lie I think the boys probably still don't quite understand what I do and you know (laughs) they are they are incredibly proud of me and they you know if they do come and see me dance they find it very you know fascinating and then I think also there's that thing of if they're taking a girl out or something it's probably a nice little draw card to be like hey maybe I'll take you to the ballet you know (laughs) (laughs) I'm very cultural (laughs) (laughs) exactly but um no but also on the flip side of that I'm sure it was probably very hard you know growing up when you have a sibling and I'm obviously the only girl and you know it's very easy for people to think oh gosh you know Brooke or the daughter's getting everything and she's the ballet is very demanding and it of course meant my mum had to drive me around a lot and my brothers were very good footballers and you know they were very busy with that but it's definitely I think um, when one child's probably succeeding very well I'm I can only imagine it must have been quite hard for my parents because you know they wanted to always play it out as evenly as they could but I had an opportunity and they always say if the boys had an opportunity they would have done the exact same thing but um it it was just a little bit more demanding than what they were doing. Yeah, it's it's kind of all encompassing because it doesn't just involve the physical training; it involves all the the outs, you know, the theater part of it. And it's it's a bigger absolutely. It's I don't know how to describe it. I know what you mean because I do have a son as well, and so yes, yes. we try so hard to keep it even, and and we go to every single game. We do everything equally but there's something emotionally bigger about the dance world I don't know (laughs) you know what absolutely and you know and I often think that I'm sure my parents probably had many conversations about it and what to do and I guess until I'm a parent I'll have no idea what that is like and as you say you're going through it but 
you know, I think they did the best they could. And as much as there were probably patches where the boys sort of, you know, got funny about it, I think as you grow older, you all tend to realise that, you know, what is and and as you know, I mean, the ballet world is just so consuming, and it's a it's a it's a bubble that people you know don't understand and understand. And I guess you know it's it's a lifestyle choice. You know, it's as you say, you can never not be thinking about it. And whether it's um you know performing or training or whatever it is, your mind never leaves it. It's everything you're doing you think might affect you know you and right. Yeah, it's, well, it's true. You know, I, I watch my daughter walk through a room. She never walks. She's always spinning and turning. Yes, it's, like, yes. it's always in her head, you know. And that's it. Yeah, a dancer. The, uh, absolutely. Never leaves. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm from Florida and I was over the holidays in Florida and I have two brothers, as I just mentioned, but um, they're, my older brother's sons are very, very involved in athletic sports. And so they were questioning my daughter about, so who's the top dancer in the country in you know, they, they're so accustomed to the competitiveness. And she said, it's yeah. not like that. You know, yes. where do you rank in the country with dance? You know, it's like, it doesn't work that I way. Know. People, yeah. You know, people always say to me, so are you the best? Are you the best? <laughs> and I always think to myself, it's such a strange thing to, you know, it's the, it's the society today, if I get that out. You know, we I think it's this thing of needing to position people or something. And Maybe. like you say, you know, it's an art form and your daughter's probably like, it doesn't, exactly, it doesn't work like that. You know? And they, you know, to explain, like, because the, the guy, that my nephew that was asking is a junior in high school and he's a, you know, a renowned tennis player. And that's, you know, he's all about rankings and numbers and stats. And yes. you know, it just was really hard to explain. And then when you get into the subject of point shoes and how much they cost and what they do to damage them to dance on them, it's like, okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's the other thing financially, you know, it's a big, the ballet world, it's a big thing, you know, it's a big financial thing to do. And I was actually met someone the other night out and she was telling me that she loved ballet. She said, but you know, my parents, it was just so expensive and my parents couldn't afford to put me through it. And that's the other thing you... I always say to myself, I wouldn't be where I am today without the family I have, you know, without their support and the opportunities they gave me, I I would not be doing what I'm doing. So Yeah. And the nice thing is every single person I've interviewed has said the same exact thing. So it's nice to know that at some point in the journey all dancers realize that their parents are pretty good people. Oh, are they ever <laughs> you know? Yeah. The most um the best moments of my career life have been you know, where my parents are in that audience and the look on their yeah. faces, you know, I, I can never repay them ever for what they have done for me uh, and I can never thank them enough. But it's those little moments that when I see their faces that, you know, you that's that's your little way as a child, I think, giving back to them. Yeah. And then you can have them listen to this and then they'll know for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's nice. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it does feel good to hear it, you know. I know they know it, but it does feel good to hear it. It's a funny thing coming from a mama. <laughs> oh, beautiful. I know it's, you know, that thing in life, isn't it? We don't thank people or tell people we love them enough sometimes, but yeah. I know, I know. So speaking, you know, kind of the opposite of that, did you ever have a, a teacher or a friend that kind of, tried to dissuade you or put you down and, and kind of cause you to question yourself? And if so, what did you do to get through that? Mm, I, but I think I can recall, I, I don't know that I've ever had a teacher. I've been very lucky to have had some beautiful coaches and teachers along the way. Oh, but that's nice. I've definitely, 
I wasn't, I actually wasn't a natural as a child. I wasn't a, um, I wasn't someone I don't think that people thought would probably go on professionally. Uh, you know, I think maybe a few people did, but I just, I think I was always very gifted artistically and I loved it so much. But my mum was probably always the biggest believer in me. She was very much, when I didn't believe in myself, she was that person that said, you know, you have to believe in yourself. You know, I mean, Aww. how will someone else believe in you if you don't? And, but I had beautiful teachers. I had, when I was very young, I had Trudy and Lisa Harris who really just drew out of people that heartfelt artistic quality, which I'm. That's think, neat. Yeah. And I think to get that as, as important, of course, as your technical training mm. is, I think to have that joy of dance brought out in you at a young age is so important, you know, because right. especially as you get older and in the profession, things become so technical and you're trying to perfect things so much that yet the audience, they want to be moved. and They, yeah, want- they don't care about the feet at that point. And that's exactly right. They don't know the difference between, no. you know, three pirouettes, four pirouettes or, you know, um, whether your ponche is exactly up or down, you know, there's little... Yeah, but they can tell if you look miserable on your face. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think that's it. But I guess in some ways I probably shocked a lot of people, I think, to really go on. That's nice. But then, you know, it's always once you've gone on, everyone says, oh, we always knew you would. And, you know, you're like, oh, I don't remember that. Though. She was an overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think and it's it's that I still, when I go back to my hometown and if I teach classes or go to schools, you know, I'm always telling them, and the kids don't believe me, but I'm like, I wasn't the most flexible girl in the class. I wasn't the best turner. I wasn't the best at everything. But I worked my butt off, you know, and yeah. it's that thing of being living proof of you can work really hard to make something happen, you know. And I'm actually thankful that I wasn't a naturally really gifted because I think it gives you a different work ethic. I agree. If, if everything is, is always easy, then it kind of takes you're, – you're assuming that it's going to be there always. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think there's something, you know, there's something – it makes you the dancer you are when you've got you – know, mm. It's true. So what's your favorite thing about being a professional ballerina? Oh, it's a tough question. Um, I think without a doubt it's the performing on stage for me. Absolutely. I, You know, there's so much uh, – it's that it's the fairy tale it's the glamorous you know for me when i'm in a tutu or a beautiful costume and i have my makeup on and my hair done and i'm on that stage and i hear the music from the orchestra and i feel the lights and you feel this energy of darkness from the audience there's something that comes over me that is just um you can't even describe you know there's no words to describe it and then it's the moments you share with a partner, like dancing with someone on stage and what you can create and, you know, telling a story or, you know, there's something too about being lifted and, you know, just telling a story through movement. It's, it's Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, and even just recently I've really, um, it's a funny thing, but I've, I've gotten quite into yoga and I was in a yoga class the other day and, the teacher said to me, you know, you just move in such a beautiful way. And then the following day when I did yoga, I thought I sort of looked around the room a little bit and thought to myself, ballet dancers have this gift of how they move and you're not always aware of it because obviously you're in it and it's all you know. But I think as I'm getting older, I've become more aware of, 
you know, we, we have this way of moving that's unlike anyone else. And it's quite, it's quite a unique quality that I think people find it, you know, so fascinating to watch. And I think that's what makes it so beautiful. It is. It's, it's a very mysterious, intriguing, you know, you can see somebody in their 80s and you can tell that they used to be a really yes beautiful dancer. And there's just something magical about how they carry themselves. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it, it's the grace and uh-huh. poise, elegance. Kind of an assuredness of knowing your body. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's just beautiful. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I mean, you have days when you're tired and you're sore and, you know, whatever. I always think of a morning, you know, I, I'm warming up for class and I get, I put my hand on that bar and I start and it's just, it's home, you know, it's, Aww, it just, that's nice to hear. Oh, it is. It's just, you know, it's, it's where I feel most comfortable and I love it. And that doesn't mean that it's not hard and it doesn't annoy me sometimes, but you know, it's, it is, it's a beautiful gift. And the best part about my job is when you can leave a theater and someone tells you that you moved them that night. Aww. I mean, that's just the best part of the job. Ever. That's such a gift, yeah. It's amazing. So what about like point shoes? Do you yes. ever get tired of sewing and the yeah. process or is that kind of Absolutely. you have to create like a zen moment with it, you know, because I can't imagine that being the – it's like in the morning making the kids' lunches starts to get so <laughs> draining yes. that I have to like <laughs> mentally go into this like, okay, yeah. it's, it's a finite period of time that I get to do this. I need to enjoy this. You know? Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> funny you say that Zen thing because I, I often say to people, it's probably something I'll miss one day because I, yeah. I find it quite therapeutic. Um, you know, whether I do it if I'm sitting watching TV or even just, you know, sitting on the couches at work talking to people and so on. But you get so used to doing it all the time. That it does, it sort of just becomes something that, you know, I guess it is. Well, it seems like you'd have to you'd have to approach it with a little bit of a ritualistic happiness versus dread, you know. Exactly. Because exactly. otherwise, you'll just always be mad. Yeah, and you know, people always say, "Oh, don't you wish they came done?" And I said, "Well, the thing is, as a ballerina, you know, and a total control freak, I wouldn't trust someone else to do them. You know, I I need to know that I've done them and I've done them right, and you know, yeah." So, how many do so in one day? But it sort of depends the workload, but I'd probably I would definitely sew a couple of pairs a week without a doubt. Yeah, probably three or three or four. Uh, sometimes more if you know if your re- rehearsal schedule is huge and you're performing a lot, especially you know seasons like Swan Lake or the big ballets we're doing at the moment. You'll definitely be going through them more often. But uh, yeah. So why wouldn't a dancer like on Sunday nights, kind of like some parents do with like preparing meals for the whole week? Why don't you just go through like? So ten shoes just you know in what? advance. Sometimes you do, but I have this. Sometimes I get worried. If you do too many, I get worried that I'll get injured or do something, and I've sewn all these. It's sh- like bad luck. Yeah, like bad luck. No, <laughs> definitely. If I have a big, um, a day where I've you know got the time, whatever, I'll definitely prepare a whole heap of shoes. But yeah, so you you, you get good at doing that. Definitely get organized. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be in the nursing home when you're 90. There. <laughs> Who's that lady over there sewing her shoes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you you spoke about your favorite part. What's your least favorite part of being a professional ballerina, or is there one? Yeah, um, oh, a couple of things. Least favorite part, uh, injury, getting injured. That's you know that's really tough. That's always that mentally the hardest thing. You know, not being able to do what you love. That's the hardest bit. But the most front, you know, uh, frustrating rehearsals can be really hard, but can also probably be the most rewarding thing. You know, what I mean. Once you overcome it. Yeah, exactly. You can have a day where you are so on top of your game and 
doing something really well and then you might come in the next day and if something's a bit sore or something's not right or mentally you're just not there and then you might have a bad rehearsal. You know, it's that thing of learning to cope with the emotional roller coaster and mentally dealing with it, you know, and it's I think finding balance within your life is probably the biggest challenge throughout the whole journey. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I was never a dancer, but I do yoga and I could see how you cannot, I mean, in yoga, I can't think of, I can't do my lists and I can't picture my groceries or my to-do list at all because otherwise I can't do what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So I, it's kind of a peaceful way to let go. And I would think that ballet would be similar. Like you cannot do what you're trying to do if you're thinking about your fight with your friend or something like that. You know? Absolutely. And I, and I guess that's one of the and what has been one of the biggest battles for me is it's such a selfish, it is such a selfish lifestyle. I mean, you have to be, it's a one person's, you know, I mean, not, I'm not talking about, you know, when you're dancing in a quarter ballet, of course it's a team, but when you're out on stage, you have to be so um, focused. In the moment. In the moment, exactly, you know, and I mean, our job is all about going on out on that stage and, you know, finding that place between control and abandon and you're trying to control the technical movement but you want to completely let go artistically and you're right, you don't have any room in that head to be mentally anywhere else. And I think... Right, I should have said to him this or I should have said yeah, to her that. You know, exactly, you can't do that. <laughs> exactly, and it's an awful thing but, you know, it's very easy, especially when you're younger, you know, if you have a fight at home or if something happens in your life and you think, God, you know, you've... You have to mentally be able to rise above that and not hold on to that because, right. you know, but life happens and you do have days where things happen and you can't put your head out the curtain and be like, oh, sorry about tonight's show, you know, my grandma's just passed away or, you know, like <laughs> right. something that's happened. Uh, I know you paid $200 for yeah, this ticket, but. but... <laughs> my boyfriend's just had a big fight with me and I'm just not feeling on top of it. He but... forgot my birthday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's that thing of um, that always comes first and getting older I think you start to your perspective changes and you start to realize what's important and I think in the last couple of years I've really worked hard at working on that balance and uh you know for me um I feel like I found yoga too late in my career because it's been the perfect thing on the side to really let go and to come into myself and completely um, mentally, I've just found this calmness and groundedness mm -hmm. within my dancing that I don't think I've ever had before. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's yeah. Because if I go for a run, my my brain is just as busy. But if I do yoga, for me at least, I've, I'm not a ballerina, but for me, yoga is my place that I can't think of anything else. I it have to be present. That exactly being present, and so uh, it makes me jealous of the ballerinas because that would feel that would be neat to have something like that where you you escape and you actually are doing what you love and mm. just right there in the moment, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, I guess that's probably the same for any intense sport, you know, a, a Olympic athlete, a track star or a tennis star, any of that. You can't be thinking of other things, you know? That's so true. And I guess that's the difference between excellence and mediocrity. You know? That's right. You have to, like they say, you know, you have to give it your all. Yeah. <laughs> So, Brooke, what's one piece of advice that has stuck with you over your career? One piece, um, I think um, definitely the, you know, to believe in yourself and also it's that thing I think too of um, someone once said to me about 
a couple of years ago, actually, someone pulled me aside and they said, don't be afraid to be as good as you can be. And that sort of, yeah, and that daring to be different and running your own race. I mean, it's so easy in our profession to compare yourself to everyone and get concerned about, you know, where you're at or where you're not at or where someone else is or, you know, especially as a student, I think you, you know, you can very easily do that, compare yourself. But, um, you know, the beautiful thing with maturity is realizing that you are who you are and that that's okay, you know, and it's okay to to be different and, you know, and that's the wonderful And that thing. might be the reason that you get something somebody else doesn't. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's probably the best thing, yeah, that I was ever told was really that, you know, let go of those inhibitions and be, you know, fly, like break those and to definitely to not be afraid of um, holding back. As, as Australians, sometimes we can sort of, you know, play on the backseat a little bit. You know, I always think um, I have a lot of admiration for Americans, how they can be very, uh, you know, they have such a strong belief in themselves. They really put themselves out there and they have this big energy and, you know, there's something about that that I, I sometimes wish as Australians we had a little bit more of, you know. Not that I don't love that we're very, you know, low-key in some ways, but there's something about that confidence and it doesn't mean that it's an ego or a um, brashness, but I think it comes down to knowing who you are as an artist and 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 being proud of that. Yeah. A lot of my listeners are, you know, kind of in the middle of auditions and, you know, continue to try through, you know, between summer intensives and companies and colleges and everything, what would be your advice on how to do well in an audition? In an audition, I think it's, you know, I I know when I was younger I would get so nervous and caught up in probably what the panel at the front were maybe thinking and I think you really have to, uh, it's that coming back to knowing that it's just another class. We take class every day, you know not trying to do more than you would normally do. But, of course, it's it's um, having the confidence, though, to show, um, firstly, you know, obviously who has a dancer, but I think when, they're, when you're auditioning for a company, you know, they want to see, um, you know, a personality that can cope in a company as well. So it's also showing, you know, showing that confidence and um, being, again, you know, it's that being grounded thing and that calmness and, just being true to who you are as a dancer and but you know auditions are tough I think you know it's so easy to say to someone don't get this, don't get this but you know you do I, the same do. thing happens in the company when you've been in a cup in a company for you know nearly 10 years and when a choreographer comes in to cast a ballet we all still and you want a good part <laughs> exactly and we all still get nervous and you know, that's the it's the hard thing of you want to try and hide those nerves. And, you know, I always say just fake it, just fake it. <laughs> so what would be a trick on how to look confident if you're not feeling it? Um, I don't really know what the tricks are. I think <laughs> it's um, – I'm very fortunate that uh, I – when I get really um, nervous and stressed and under pressure is I'm quite good at composing myself and just – acting like I'm totally fine and people will think, oh, she's fine, no worries. But deep inside, I'm probably absolutely, you know. Yeah, your mom could probably tell. I've got butterflies inside but it's that thing. People always say to me, you know, that um, when you stand, you know, you've got two feet on the ground and especially as a ballet dancer, you can get a bit flighty when you get nervous which is where Mm. sort of, you know, mistakes and things happen and 
it's that sort of staying really calm and cool and, you know, not getting right, ahead of yourself. Right. And, you know, it's that thing too of if you muck something up, letting it go. You know, it's being in the moment. It's, it's like in an audition, if you muck something up at the start of class, not holding on to that for the whole class. Same in a ballet. If you make a mistake in Act 1, you can't hold on to it, you know, because act, by the time you get to Act 3, it'll be a disaster. But, you know, it's exactly what you said before, I guess, being in the moment and just... You know, and also too, your mind plays a lot of tricks on you and you start thinking, oh, they're thinking this or they're thinking that. And they're looking at her or him and they're exactly, not looking at me. Or, yeah. Exactly. And I, it's, I, I always have this little theory when I'm really nervous of, I visualize putting myself in a little bubble and I think it's just me and I'm just in this little bubble doing what I do. And it, I guess it's just my way of trying to take those external things out of the equation and, you know, coming into myself. But it's a tough one. I don't think there's any theory about you know, getting rid of those nerves. It's just, no, no. You know. And sometimes it's um, just doing as many auditions as you can so that yeah. it starts taking that Absolutely. whatever the allure of what it means. You know, if you do enough of them, it kind of you realize it is a class and some are good and some are bad and some are organized, some are disorganized and it is what it yeah. is, you know. And I think, you know, what's in your control like for me personally what's important for me is you know making sure I'm groomed well making yeah. sure I'm in an outfit that I feel really confident and comfortable in and you know you want to you want to look your best because I can tell you right now the second you I've adjudicated things before but everyone just walks in you can already pick out the people that you think just the way they hold themselves and present themselves speaks volumes and also too at the end of the day they're picking who's right for that company and that doesn't take anything away from you as a dancer. It just means you weren't right for that job or you weren't right for that part. In that you know, one particular year exactly, even. <laughs> you know? that, exactly. And you think how many directors are out there and it's just a matter of finding where you fit, you know, and I guess that's it. there's so many knockbacks in that industry and you have to just be strong and know that, you know, the next one, the next one could be yours, you know. Yeah. So then um, the next part of my interview, I like to ask questions to the professionals from aspiring dancers. And today's question is from Catherine, who's from Pennsylvania. And she asks, I've always wanted to dance in another country. Do you have any advice for an American auditioning for a company outside of the U.S.? Right. Let's pretend Hello. it's Australia. <laughs> okay. Hello, Catherine. Well, you have to be prepared for a very long flight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I guess, you know, my advice would be, you know, of course, to go for it. But um, the way the world is today, it's, you know, visas and all these sorts of things can obviously make it hard. But having said that, I think there's no harm in trying, you know, in going somewhere. And I think the best thing you can do is find out as much as you can about a company and, you know, the sort of repertoire they do, the touring they do and finding somewhere that suits what you want to be doing and what you like. And then I think when you know a lot about a company, it's it's that personal contact and communication and perhaps, you know, whether it's being in touch with them or sending them stuff and, um, you know, it's that thing of I've seen it happen many a times at a company, but persistence pays off. You know, when you are around a lot or you're showing that you're interested in something, that at the end of the day, that definitely, that definitely pays off, you know, and... That's good advice, yeah. yeah. So in closing, I'd like to ask these last three questions. Um, the first one is if you could go back 
in time to your 13-year-old self with the wisdom, confidence, and lessons you've learned along the way? What advice would you give to yourself? Oh, gosh. I would say don't sweat the small stuff, firstly. (laughs) In the scheme of things, it's all going to be okay. Um, But, no, I would probably say that um, to enjoy every bit of the journey because at the point I'm at now, it flies by and it's such a... How old are you now? If I'm, 20, you don't mind I'm 27. Me okay. Yeah. Which I know still sounds young, but I guess in a dance. No, it's a magical age. It's one of my favorite stages oh, of life. It's kind isn't of neat. Yeah. That's nice to hear. I. Yeah, I feel like I'm really coming into my own as a woman. That's stage. exactly like I think 25 to 35 were kind of a uniquely magical stage. You know, it's funny you say that. I in the last 12 months, I've really. I really feel like it is magical. I, I'm becoming really sure of what I want and, and who I am and it's an amazing time. You spend so much time, I think, sort of searching maybe for who you are and, and it's all part of the journey, of course. But I guess, you know, I think I'd say to my 13-year-old, you know, I, I doubt myself a lot and I did doubt myself a lot and I probably could have got rid of that a little bit, you know, and to really, you know, just, I guess, yeah, working hard and, like I said before, believing in yourself and but just enjoying it, you know, and, yeah. And with that same wisdom and confidence and lessons, what would be your advice to aspiring dancers? It's it, um, definitely working hard and enjoying it and, you know, there will be people that will try and pull you down or, you know, say things, you know, there's always that thing of, 20, gosh, hundreds of people can tell you how good you are. It only takes one person to tell you you can't do it and you listen to that one That's person. Right. And So true. And it's, you know, it's it's one. And you don't grow out of that. Never. That's the problem. And do you know what? I still, have, <laughs> I still know people that were told something when they were a little girl and they've never gotten over it. And I don't, you know, I, I don't want to do it all the time, but when I walk into a studio to teach young aspiring dancers, mm-hmm. I just try and give them all the love and encouragement and you know, I can because anyone that wants to dance, I, I think it's it's an amazing thing and not everyone wants to go on professionally. Some people just do it because right. they enjoy it. And the people that do want to go on, I just think it's an industry where you can be knocked down so often. You know, it's an industry yeah. basically where you're critiqued every day, you know. and Well, you're standing practically naked in the mirror every day. <laughs> My mum always says that. She's like, gosh, just the fact that you all look at yourself every day is enough, to, you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think about hairdressers. Yeah. They stare at themselves all day long. <laughs> and times that by a thousand as a ballet dancer. You know, like, it's like trying on swimsuits every single day of your life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's true. But, you know, and I think that's the other thing I would probably say to people and to myself at 13 is be, be kind to yourself. You be know, kind. Like, we're know. so tough on ourselves. And I think, you know, to be kind to yourself is such a big thing that we could probably all do more of. I know. Well, I look back at my 27-year-old self and think, gosh, I should have worn a smaller bikini. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's funny you said that. Rock it while you can. (laughs) That's it. My mom says that sometimes. She's like, you should get your legs out while you can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then the final question is, do you have a favorite motivational quote? And if so, how have you applied this in your life? Um. I always love that quote that says, um, courage is that quiet voice that says, try again tomorrow. 
And oh, I, like that. I love that because um, especially in, in this profession is every day is a new day and every day you get a new shot at it and, you know, no two mm. days are ever the same, no two shows are ever the same and, you, you, you know, you, you're never the same dancer every day and I think it takes a lot of courage to be a ballerina and to put yourself out yeah. there in front of everyone and, yeah, I love I love that. I love that idea of, you know, just you keep chipping away, you keep trying and you're, you never stop learning. Uh, I no, you're right. just had some coaching with one of our principal coaches at the end of last year. We were just doing some one-on-one coaching together and she said to me, you know, it's beautiful, Brooke, because I don't have many um, dancers that have been in the company so long that are still so eager to learn. You know, and I think the biggest mistake people can make is thinking that they know it all because you never do, ever. Right. You know, and and I'm still even sometimes when I'm teaching young girls, I'm still learning. I'm learning from them. You know, like it's it's fascinating. So, yeah, I think that's something. Well, that's a really nice advice. I think that's a really applicable one for the listeners that I have. I'm glad. Well, thank you so much, Brooke, for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, pleasure. If if uh, dancers or anyone want to keep in touch with you or try and you know follow your journey, are you on any social media platforms? Yes, I'm on uh, Instagram and I'm on Twitter. So yes, they can definitely okay. follow me. And I'm just right. at Brooke Lockett, my full name. Yeah, great. And I do hope you guys come back to America sometime soon, and I could actually see you guys in person dancing. <laughs> yeah, that would be wonderful. I, yeah, I think there might be there might be talk of an American tour coming up, so we'll be definitely nice. be in touch and that would be wonderful. I love love coming to the states. It's a Oh, good. I love it over there. And you were the one that took the picture of Ben, right? Yes, I did. Well, thank you so much. That was really fun. Yeah, it was he good. Was a was fun it? Did one you too. yeah, he's he's a gorgeous gorgeous boy. I love dancing with him. He was a fun interview. So, you know, I do love Australians. I did a fair amount of traveling in my life, and those were always the the fun ones to hang out with. (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Yeah, we're a fun-loving bunch, us Aussies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you, Brooke. And you're just uh, heading into your day, right? I am, yes. Okay. Well, have a great day. It's been so lovely talking to you. And thank you again for joining me today on Balancing Point Podcast. I really enjoyed hearing your comments and questions, so please keep them coming. And I'm really just quite amazed by how far away my listeners are coming in from. In fact, I checked last night and you are now representing 57 countries, which is really, really exciting for me. So I'd love to get to know you and hear more about where you're coming from and how you found this podcast. And you can connect with me on my website at balancingpoint.com, that's P-O-I-N-T-E, or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Balancing Point. And then, as I promised you on Wednesday, I will be airing one more interview this week to make up for my hibernation on Monday. And I'll be airing that on Saturday. And so on Saturday, I'll be finishing up my auditions series with the perfect guest, Amy Brandt, who's from the Ask Amy Advice column in Point Magazine, will be my guest. And so she's going to share with you her advice on auditions and much, much more. And then next week, I'm really, really excited to begin my new series, which is on women choreographers. And this series is going to run for two weeks. And you're definitely not going to want to miss this because I have some of the most prominent women choreographers of our time that are out there working and really making a difference in the world of dance. So 
check check out those episodes starting next week, Monday, and then I will stick to my original schedule of Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So until next time, thanks for listening and have a great day.